Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side. Here with Kat and Paul, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. We are joined here by James from the Believe in Jags podcast to give us a look on the other sideline for the Jaguars. They are 1-1 one one heading into this game. The Dolphins are 0-2. The Jaguars are favored uh, at at least at the time of this recording, by three points. Looking at the injury report, looks like Brandon Linder is going to be out for the Jaguars. Byron Jones expected to be out for the Dolphins as well. We should know more on Wednesday um, or Thursday. So thanks for joining us here, James. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Like uh, me and you had discussed earlier, man, we've been doing this for some years now, man. And uh, anytime you hit me up and want me to come on, I absolutely don't mind because, you know, uh, as we've said in the past, is a little bit of a geographical rivalry between the Jags and uh, Miami Dolphins and the Bucks too, as well. So it's always interesting to talk about that. You bet. And it's odd seeing the Dolphins and Jaguars play sometimes when it's not in the preseason, because usually we play every preseason, except for this year, because there was none. So, but, you know, big game for both teams uh, heading into week three. I mean, you know, I, I look at the Jaguars and it's, after two games, it kind of looks like what Dolphins fans were optimistically hoping for last year after two games. You know, yeah, we're going to trade off a lot of assets. We're going to clear a lot of room. We're going to rebuild here. But we could get, we could, you know, we could have some success after two games. And obviously that didn't happen for the Dolphins in 2019. But for the Jaguars, they beat the Colts by seven in week one. They, almost beat the Titans in, in week two. They lose 33-30. to 30. So I'd imagine things are looking pretty optimistic with Jacksonville here after two games. Yeah, the fan base is certainly excited about the season and more excited about the season than they thought they would be at this point. You know, we thought we'd be looking at two losses at this point, and here they are at 500, could be at two and two, minus a few, you know, key mistakes like a special teams a slip kick that went wrong and, you know, so on and so forth. So, yeah, like, this is a unexpected surprise for the fan base, but it's one that they are happy about because the Jacksonville Jaguars fan base, just as well as the Miami Dolphins fan base, has long been looking for a contender and long been looking to watch some watchable football. And that's the interesting part about it for Jacksonville is they are interesting for a change uh, because of a reason that they haven't been able to be interested in watching the Jazz for a long time, and that is the offensive side of the football. The addition of Jay Gruden really seems to be paying off, and him and Gardner Minshew feels like a match made in heaven, and it's been a long, long time since the Jacksonville Jaguars fan base has been able to see exciting offensive football. We all know about 2017 when they had that historic defensive run, and like they put up historic numbers in certain defensive categories, but now it's just different now. 
Uh, they actually have somebody who looks like a franchise quarterback. They are, they have a guy that goes out there and distributes the ball to all of their receivers, which is a very underrated receiving core, uh, to be quite frank with you. So, um, yeah. you look at the offense in general, it's a, it's a very interesting thing going on in Jacksonville that nobody saw coming, uh, especially the national pundits. Sure, sure, absolutely. And looking at the offensive side of the ball, obviously the big story is Gardner Minshew now. Uh, on the year, 49 for 65, completing over 75% of his passes, 512 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions, quarterback rating of 115.7. Um, obviously a great start and not a huge surprise because Minshew played well when given the opportunity last year, and it looks like he's trying to take that to a higher level now this year. Uh, the rest of his receiving core and the running back position, I, I don't think a lot of Dolphins fans are familiar with. I mean, I believe this was the first time in NFL history that an undrafted free agent started week one of the NFL season, and that was James Robinson. Do you expect him to get the lion's share of the carries here in week uh, week three? Oh, yeah, for sure, uh, for sure. And James Robinson is a person that me and Phil – a uh, shout out to Phil, that's my co-host on the Believe in Pod, uh, Believe in Jaguars podcast, who you got to meet earlier. But me and Phil uh, were very high on James Robinson dating back to May the first. I actually put him in my uh, way too early roster prediction, which kind of came like a day after the draft was over, whatever the case may be. And a lot of people were like, "Who is this kid?" and so on and so forth. But uh, you know, he was one I had watched film on before the uh, draft process. And um, basically, he was a guy that I felt should have been drafted fifth or sixth round. And that's where the projections had him, fifth or sixth round. And it's kind of showing up. And if he continues at the trend that he's playing at, he'll probably end up looking like a second round, third round type of pick. But, you know, it's a lot of football left to be played. But, you know, when they got rid of Leonard Fournette, it, it, it was puzzling to a lot of people. Uh, but to the media, it made sense, but it it just took the media by surprise because it happened so close to the season. But we knew they were going to get rid of Leonard Fournette at some point or part ways with them, should I say. Uh, but we were expecting it to be next year and not this year instead because they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. But Robinson is mm-hmm. a guy that he, you know, like the, the big thing with Fournette has always been he, he, to the fan base and to like a lot of analysts, is he dances a little bit too much. Uh, before getting to the, the the line of scrimmage or he takes the best way I could put it is it takes him a while to get to the line of scrimmage with James Robinson he's there in a quick jiffy and then it's acceleration into the next level which that's his biggest you know asset of his game is that acceleration from the line of scrimmage to the second level and he's a guy that you know he's not going to exactly run away from people but he's a guy that is effective when he gets past the line of scrimmage. He's effective when he gets to the line of scrimmage because he makes a quick decision and, and his foot is in the ground and it's, it's over at that point. And, you know, he's been a guy that has really, really uh, helped the Jags running game, which last year, as we all saw, while Leonard Fournette had over 1,000 yards, it wasn't overly impressive. So that being mm-hmm. said, they're glad to have him, and he's a guy that, you know, he's another gem that Dave Caldwell has found in undrafted free agency because he's been known to find those guys like Alan Hearns, who you know, like Alan Lazard, who was in Green Bay at the time, uh, or who's right. at Green Bay per, uh, right now at the moment. So, like, he's been known to find these guys, and I guess James Robinson is the next one uh, for everybody to watch. 
Yeah, you bet. 164 rushing yards uh, after two games, averaging over five yards a carry. Uh, at wide receiver, DJ Chark coming off a thousand yard season. He broke out, former second round pick out of LSU. They also spent another second rounder on LaVisca Chenault um, from the Miami area, taking a few picks after the Dolphins took Robert Hunt in the second round. He's kind of got that running back wide receiver look to him. Uh, so how, how, other than DJ Chark, how do you see kind of the, what's kind of the pecking order after, after Chark? Yeah, after Chark, it's, uh, I guess I would probably say, if you're looking at it from a experience standpoint, you know, it's Chris Conley and then Keelan Cole and then it's everybody else. But if you're looking at it from a, a standpoint of what happened in training camp and how they looked in training camp is probably DJ Chark, who looked like the arguably the training camp MVP. Uh, Keelan Cole was not far behind him in terms of that performance. And Keelan Cole has really shown up in these, these last two games as well, or their only two games of the season as well. So in terms of what we've seen in the season, it's been those two. Um, and they've kind of just continued what we saw from those two out of uh, training camp. And then LaVisca Chenard is a rookie that him and both Colin Johnson, uh, who was taken in the fifth round, Chenard was taken in the second round, they both flashed in training camp as well. But, of course, you know, the experience isn't there like with Chark and uh, with, with uh, Keelan Cole as well. But they flashed. And the the thing with Chenault was always coming out of the draft, the Jaguars said it right off the bat. We're going to put this guy at different places in our offense and we're going to utilize him as just a do-it-all weapon. That's exactly what they've done with him. And it, pretty much every time he's touched the ball, it's been positive yardage and, and explosive plays. And he's a guy, I mean, they've said it themselves. Like, had he come out, uh, in uh, 2019 instead of this year, you know, he was a first-round pick then in their eyes. So they felt they were lucky to mm -hmm. get him in the second round, and it's really, really showing. So that being said, like, that has translated to the field. And then the big threat they got is Colin Johnson out of the fifth round. While he's a guy that, you know, probably can't separate all that well and will have to learn to separate more under Keenan McCardell, who is, we all know that's a Jags legend, but he's the receivers coach for the Jags. Uh, you know, uh -huh. Keenan McCardell has been able to get great performances out of young uh, wide receivers, as we've seen, obviously. And they feel like Colin Johnson could be a guy that could be there, or at least in my opinion, they feel like he can be what they had in Alan Lazard or what they wanted Alan Lazard to be uh, before he was poached off of their practice squad. Sure, right. Uh, so uh, they've got some weapons there as well at the wide receiver spot. And yeah, the dolphins drafted Malcolm Perry in the seventh round, as well as traded for Lynn Bowden to try to be that thing that you described with Chenault. Uh, so it'll be fascinating to see how he develops there in Jacksonville. So the dolphins have struggled to put some pressure on the quarterback and really struggled up front in general on defense. Uh, the Jaguars return a lot of their offensive line starters. I mean, really the whole unit, but they won't be with, with, They'll be without – it looks like Brandon Linder in this game at center. Um, tell me a little bit more about the Jaguars' offensive line. Yeah, to the shock of many, they play, at least on the Jay Gruden, better than expected. And, again, I think that's because they have a running back that gets to the line of scrimmage a little bit uh, faster than Leonard Fournette, and that's not a knock on Fournette because, you know, Fournette did some nice things when he was there as well. But, uh, you know, Jay Gruden has really gotten the most out of this offensive line these first two weeks. And I'm, I want to say three of the offensive linemen graded positively on PFF from the last game. 
Um, Linder didn't, of course, because he didn't finish the game. And I think Andrew Norwell was close to grading positively. It was like a 68 or a 69. Uh, but if you look at all of their scores now, the starting five, most of them all have positive PFF grades, which is kind of rare for the, <laughs> at least for the Jaguars it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of telling of what Jay Gruden has been able to do with this group because they came into the season and what they wanted to do, while most people were like, the offensive line is an issue. It's an issue. You know, any person you ask would say it's an issue. We need to draft an offensive line. Their mindset was, no, let's keep these five guys together. That's Cam Robinson, uh, Linder, A.J. Ken, Norwell, and Jawan Taylor. Let's keep these five guys together and see if camaraderie helps them. You know, that all of that time they spent together in 2019 helps them. And it really has. Now, they're not perfect. They're not flawless. But in terms of the run game, they've been pretty solid. And that's mostly due to James Robinson being quick with decision-making. That sure. helped as well. And, I mean, yeah, so- like, you know – they, they, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but I, I, it's so, so that we can stick to that. Where do you see the biggest problem on the Jaguars' offensive line heading into this game? I would say at times they struggle in pass protection. At times, you know, and it shows. Mm-hmm. And sometimes Gardner Minshew has a tendency to hold on to the ball too long, and you know, at times, you know, you you like that because he he saves valuable field position and doesn't make a costly mistake like we've seen with Blake Bortles in the past. Like, that was the issue with Blake Bortles. But at times, we've also seen him hold on to the ball too long, and it costs the Jags as well. But, yeah, I would definitely say I feel like the pass protection is nowhere near is, uh, on the same level as the run blocking. And I feel like still, like, at times, I think – teams could take advantage of in the interior, especially now with Brandon Linder gone, that's really going to hurt. But teams could take advantage in the interior of their guard play, which has been not all that great uh, under Doug Marone, despite Doug Marone being the offensive lineman coach himself. Sure, sure. Yeah, and you know, uh, you mentioned that about pass protection uh, for the Jaguars. Yeah, I know Cam Robinson's had some problems at left tackle. Um, Jawan Taylor, right tackle that fell to the second round last year because of, of some injury problems. Um, so it'll be a fascinating matchup with Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba trying to rebound against Juwan Taylor and Cam Robinson. And as far as the running backs, but yeah, I think it's easy to look at running back and say they've downgraded from Fournette to James Robinson. I agree with you though. I mean, uh, Fournette is somebody too, that uh, like he ran for a hundred yards for the bucks this past week. And if he can get ahead of steam, and he can break a long run, it looks pretty. But on a down-to-down mm-hmm. basis, it's so hard for him to get quickly to the line of scrimmage. Exactly. Exactly. I agree with you. And, I mean, again, like Leonard Fournette, this, you, you can't knock the dude because he's been so great for the community of Jacksonville, and he's been so great for his community. And, you know, the performance at times, you know, has been there. But, you know, the big thing with Fournette when he was taken – most people agree that they shouldn't have went with him fourth overall for the reasons that me and you just explained. And I always mm-hmm. felt if the Jaguars were going to do it and take a, and what I mean going to do it is take a running back that early, it should have been Christian McCaffrey, who is, you know, a guy that has excellent receiving skills or a guy like uh, Dalvin Cook and, and what have you, you know, those guys who've shown they don't need a head of steam, like you just said, uh, to be successful when they get past the line of scrimmage. So. Uh, you know, that was a big yeah. – I think, like, that was a big Tom Coughlin thing. He has his fascination with 
taking big running backs. And, you know, I think that more so with Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell. And to be honest with you, and I haven't heard anything on this, but just, just by my speculation, I feel like Dave Caldwell would have went elsewhere with that pick. And, you know, he finally, Dave, admitted it in a way by letting Fournette go that that wasn't the route to go uh, for the fourth overall pick. Yeah, Dad, Tom Coughlin certainly stuck in the 90s uh, in a lot of scenarios there. It's a running back. It was a great running back class. It's really the only position that was good uh, in the 2017 draft. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, obviously, over the last, you know, you referenced 2017. Um, you know, 2017, they had Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Boye, uh, uh, Calais Campbell, and a slew of other players that are no longer there. It's more of a uh, you know, a new look Jaguars defense, one that's built a lot more on speed with they drafted C.J. Henderson ninth overall. Kayla Von Chase on they drafted at 20. Uh, Miles Jack is it never leaves the field at middle linebacker. He's got a lot of speed, too. And then Josh Allen off the edge, too. So to tell us a little bit more about this Jaguars defense, how they fared in the first two games. Yeah, yeah, they uh, coming into the season, the, the goal for the front office it feels like was to get more athletic as you kind of alluded to there and you know they had to cut a lot of people for cap casualty reasons and what have you and in the process of doing that they they felt that they would use all of their you know most of their 12 draft picks to go on the defensive side and get more athletic on that side and uh, they also a key move that um you didn't really mention was getting Joe Schobert and that was so important to them because they wanted to put somebody at the Mike linebacker position and move Miles Jack to weak side linebacker because Miles Jack, while like you said, he is, you know, he the, the speed is there at times, but it felt like it was just too much thinking at Mike linebacker for Miles Jack. And he's always been an instinctive player, good in space, can play downhill. And we've seen that in the past when he has played in at weak side linebacker. So they got Schobert at the Mike linebacker position just to kick Jack out to the weak side linebacker. And, you know, Schober's actually a decent middle linebacker when you look at his body of work with the Cleveland Browns, even though, you know, a lot of people are not the Browns. But that that was a big move on their part, too, to help at linebacker. And now you could say they got arguably one of the better linebacking cores in football, which is weird to say because, again, like the Jaguars have struggled so long. But in terms of the draft, yeah, like you said, they got speed. They got Kalevon Chason who initially they wanted to play strong side linebacker in addition to defensive end, but he's just sticking to defensive end now. He's got to, you know, kind of find his way in. He did a little bit last game. He did get a sack on uh, Ryan Tannehill, so that's good. Josh Allen, who people, you know, had a lot of expectations for this year, he's a guy that has kind of struggled in terms of the pass rush. But again, like I told you in our podcast, I believe that's somewhat due to, you know, them focusing on the run so much. And he's been a step late on the pass rush as well. So he'll get a chance at Austin Jackson, who's a rookie. And, uh, you know, we'll see how he does and if he can pick it up in terms of being a pass rusher there. But, yeah, that's in a nutshell, that's the young core, the young athletic core uh, that they're dealing with up front. Yeah, that'll be a fascinating matchup. Josh Allen against a left tackle, Austin Jackson, who's looked pretty good in the first two games. Uh, and if if – but he hasn't faced off against somebody with the physical skills of, of a Josh Allen. So that'll, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, we are joined here by James. You can uh, follow him on Twitter, sportsgrind underscore Don, and listen to his podcast, The Believe in Jags Pod. I, I was a guest on there 
as well uh, here recently. So it, be sure to check that out. And finally, James, uh, what is your prediction for this Thursday between the Jaguars and the Dolphins? Yeah, I actually put a prediction in the USA Today paper, but since like my, my score has changed, I still predict the Jazz to win. Uh, but sometimes, like, you just get a gut feeling in the later in the week uh, about certain things. And I feel like Gardner Minshew might go off this game. Uh, me and you kind of talked about that in our podcast uh, with the woes that the Dolphins are going through, especially in the secondary. So I feel like he'll go off. And I think he's going to score in the range of 35, 37 points. Or the, the, the offense will in general or the Jaguars will in general. So I put them at, like, 35, 37 I don't know that we can get used to that out of the Jaguars, although their offense has proven to be explosive so far. But uh, I think they'll be around there. And I think the Dolphins actually put up a decent amount of points themselves around the 28 to 30 range, but I went with 28. So uh, 28 to 35 is what about what I'm looking at. Got it. And the odds are very high for a shootout because, I mean, the, the defenses for both teams uh, – haven't been all that great so far this year, but offensively, you know, the Dolphins put up 28 points last game. Um, not, not so well in the first game, but there, there's certainly the capability here for that shootout. Uh, so we got it here uh, from James 35, 28 is the prediction for the Jaguars and Dolphins matchup. And that's going to do it for our look at the Dolphins Jaguars game here this Thursday on Thursday night football. You can follow Paul and I, Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. That's fanatic with a PH. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.